What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Surfing the Stream, where every week we are on a quest to find out what is the greatest movie of all time. I am Matt Primo, and today we are here to review Spider-Man Homecoming. So, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home is coming out in, what, like a month or so? It comes out next month in December. And I thought this was a good time to kind of revisit the uh, quote-unquote Homecoming series with Tom Holland and in the uh, in the MCU. So I'm going to review this one and then Far From Home and then that's going to lead into uh, No Way Home whenever it comes out. I don't even remember what day that, that movie comes out. But regardless of not knowing what day it comes out, super excited to, to get that conclusion to this trilogy. And just kind of my thoughts on going into that movie. Uh... I think it's going to be bonkers. I think you're, we're going to see the Sinister Six. I mean, they've already shown us several of the, the villains. We're kind of just missing the last the last guy. So it's kind of... I'm kind of curious to know who that's going to be. Uh, I think Doc Ock is going to be a good, good guy for majority of the film uh, to kind of get into the good graces of Spider-Man. Uh, but I think ultimately he will be one of the bigger villains in the movie. And we will see the Sinister Six. And I do believe we will see Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in that movie in some capacity. It might be at the very end, uh, but we are going to see them in some capacity in that movie, guaranteed. This is going to be the uh, Into the Spider-Verse of the MCU, of live action, basically, is what I think it's going to end up being. But yeah, I just wanted to jump into this movie. This is actually, not to spoil my review at all... But this is like one of my favorite experiences in a movie theater. And I'll kind of get into that in just a minute. And before we jump into the review, if you like what we're doing here and you want to consider supporting us, if you want to be a part of our Discord channel, if you want to be part of our tight little knit group, then go to patreon.com slash two game. That is the number two. Support us at any of those tiers and you get access to a whole bunch of different content. Uh, shout out to our $20 tier supporters, Carmen Edmonds, Eric Hernandez, Sharon Petrie, Lindsey Humble, and Michael King. We appreciate y'all supporting us at that $20 tier each and every month. Without y'all, we would not be able to do this, so thank you so much. Uh, but let's jump into Spider-Man Homecoming. Let's, let's, let's do this. And, and like I said... This was one of my favorite experiences in the movie theaters. I saw this after work one night. Uh, it was on a Thursday, the Thursday night showing, and I uh, saw it after work. And it was just, I had such a damn good time with this movie. It it wasn't necessarily that I was with a, a bunch of people. I think I actually went to see the movie by myself. It was just going into the movie, I was super hyped for it. And then I just got everything I wanted out of a Spider-Man movie in this movie and again I don't want to spoil my review but there's a little little tidbit of of what's to come for for my my general impressions uh, but the plot for Spider-Man Homecoming Peter Parker balances his life or let me rephrase that tries to balance his life as an ordinary high school student in Queens with his superhero alter ego Spider-Man and finds himself on the trail of a new menace prowling the skies of New York City. This movie is directed by John Watts, who has directed uh, Cop Car, Clown. Clown, if I'm not mistaken, 
was an effed up movie, but I like enjoyed it. But it wasn't like amazing or anything. But I enjoyed it. Uh, I believe it's on Netflix. If you want to go uh, check that out, it is a horror movie. Uh, Far from Home and No Way Home to cap off the trilogy. This movie had a budget of one hundred and seventy-five million dollars, and it's grossed worldwide eight hundred and eighty point one million dollars. It stars Tom Holland, Michael Keaton, and Robert Downey Jr. It has a runtime of two hours and thirteen minutes, and it was released worldwide July seventh, twenty seventeen. Cannot believe it's already been four years for this movie, and the fact that we've gotten. I mean, it'll be three Spider-Man movies, three big tentpole Spider-Man movies in the span of four years. I think that's really incredible, and not just Spider-Man films. This is Marvel plus Sony, you know, collabing and making movies together and doing three of them in basically uh, four years. I mean, that's that's just that's incredible to me. Uh, but jumping into the fun facts. Uh, not not super interesting on the fun facts. I was kind of kind of disappointed with, uh, but let's jump into them. Aaron Davis uh, mentions he has a nephew in the movie, which is a direct reference to Miles Morales. Uh, the cast had to watch uh, a John Hughes movie marathon to prepare, uh, such as The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And this is the first live action Spider Man film. Where his costume has resizable visors, where with the eyes where they actually move, uh, providing expressiveness to his appearance. Nineteen-year-old uh, Tom Holland was the youngest cast Spider-Man actor at the time, so he is the youngest Spider-Man actor. Uh, this was the first Spider-Man film where he has his iconic web wings from the comics. Uh, it's also the first Spider-Man film without the Osborn family being mentioned, not Oscorp. No Osborn family, no, nothing, nothing with Osborn. And uh, Adrian Toomes is never referred to as "quote unquote" the Vulture. He is, however, revert, referred to as the Vulture guy, and that is used by other characters in the movie. So let's jump into my general impressions of Spider-Man: Homecoming. And if you haven't figured it out so far, I absolutely love this Spider-Man movie. I absolutely love Homecoming. It is probably, I don't know if it's my my favorite Spider-Man movie. It, this one, Spider-Man Two and Into the Spider-Verse are all obviously the top tier Spider-Man movies when it comes to uh, which ones are the best. I mean, those three are usually the ones that ever on top of everybody's list. I haven't seen Spider-Man Two in in a very very long time, but it used to be my favorite. And I haven't seen Spider-Man 2 since actually this even came out. So it's been several years since I've uh, revisited it. Into the Spider-Verse is such a good movie, but it's kind of hard to compare live action to animation uh, as far as which one's my favorite. Because the animation, they can just do more different things with it compared to what you can actually do in a live action movie. Uh, But Into the Spider-Verse is is a perfect, perfect, uh, non-Peter Parker Spider-Man story, I, I think. Because, uh, you know, that's mainly a Miles Morales story. I think that's a perfect Miles Morales story. Uh, I'm, But again, I'm not sure if this one is better than Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 just has such great action that 
I, I would go so far as saying that anything in Spider-Man 2 action-wise is probably better than anything in this movie. With the exclusion of the Staten Island Ferry set piece, which I think rivals uh, anything in the Spider-Man cinematic universe, movies, whatever you want to call them. Uh, that scene plus the bus scene in Spider-Man 2 I think are super iconic and I, I think they're really, really great action set pieces. The Staten Island Ferry scene in this movie is so good. They do such a great job of kind of building that scene up to where you think Spider-Man's just going in and he's going to save the day and then come to find out he actually kind of ruined everything and then him being the cause basically of the of the ferry being split in two and then Iron Man having to come in there and having to save the day basically. Uh, I, I, there was a very big pivotal moment in the movie and I think it really, really did. They just did such a great job of of making that a such a great sequence in this movie. So that is going to be one of the best overall sequences in any Spider-Man movie. But overall, I do think Spider-Man 2 has some of the best action of any of these Spider-Man movies. It, it, the action in that movie is just it's just chef's kiss. It really is. But the the thing that this movie Homecoming kind of outshines every other Spider-Man movie is hitting those those small moments that make Spider-Man uh, Spider-Man. I think this is one of, if not the perfect Peter Parker Spider-Man movies out there. The perfect rendition, perfect characterization of Peter Parker. I, I think they just do such a great job of showing how he struggles to be Spider-Man plus this teenager in in high school uh he just you know he can't do both he's legit trying to be you know he's trying to have a life in high school with he's trying to find a girlfriend and trying to go to parties and and whatnot but he's also trying to be spider-man on the side and i think they do just such a great job of showing that struggle and he's trying to do both but he's failing at both because he's you know not devoting one or to the other, and I just I just think they do such a great job of kind of showing that struggle. Uh, I love how they show how he gets in over his head. I mean, this is the first time that we've been able to see Spider-Man as a as a kid, basically. I mean, Tobey Maguire his his character was in high school at the very beginning of the series, but basically he was in college and he was an older Spider-Man. And then same thing with Andrew Garfield. I mean, we. Did anybody believe that he was really in high school? No. Because the dude looked like he was like 30 at least. But I just, I love the fact that this Spider-Man is just so inexperienced. And he's just always in over his head. And he thinks he can do more than he can or, or really should. And then, you know, he has other people there to kind of clean up his mess. Uh, a la uh, Iron Man. And I just, I love how they show the quote-unquote friendly neighborhood stuff like in in the uh the original trilogy the spider-man trilogy it's always just like oh who's the next bad guy we're just gonna get the next bad guy and we're gonna go stop him and you know they, they fight like twice and the the movie's over basically it never really shows the the nitty-gritty stuff that that spider-man does on a daily basis like going and helping someone give directions to get somewhere or stopping a bike thief uh, stuff like that 
that it's just such like small little moments for the character of Spider-Man that go so far for me personally. And I, I just think they absolutely 100% nailed that aspect of Spider-Man. Because, yes, Spider-Man does fight some big villains, but, hey, he's just swinging around the city, and he's just trying to help people out. I mean, that's basically Spider-Man. And I think they do just a great job of kind of showcasing that in this movie. And then his little smart little quips, uh, him being a little smartass, they don't do it... See, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man did it, but... Ah, I don't know. I haven't seen the Spire, those Spider-Man movies in a very, very long time, and I wasn't such a huge fan of them. Uh, but Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man. He had those quips, and that's that is the character of Spider-Man. That was one thing that Tobey Maguire kind of didn't have. And yeah, he he had his moments with his quips and whatnot, but basically, that was not part of the character for Tobey Maguire's uh, uh, trilogy. In this one. I feel like they just do it to... Uh, it's not an annoying. Sometimes, like if you're playing like a Spider-Man game or whatnot, you can get that feeling that it's kind of annoying with he just he just won't constantly... He just won't shut up, basically. But that's Spider-Man. Like, he just won't shut up. The kid just... He, he talks and talks and talks. And I, I think they do a perfect blend of that in this movie where, I mean, he's just running through the field, like the golf course. And he's just like, crap. Like, this is this sucks. Like, it's just like those types of things. And then he's talking crap to the uh, the Avenger thieves the, in, the, in the ATM scene. I mean, that that stuff with Spider-Man, you know, his little quips, I, I just absolutely love. And I, I think they do just a, such a great job of, of showcasing that in this movie. Outside of that, I think the biggest thing that they got right was getting you to care for all of these characters. You know, Ned, uh, Peter Parker, uh, the Vulture, Tony, Happy, all those guys, They do uh, and girls, uh, they do such a great job of making you care for them. Even Liz, like, she doesn't get a ton of screen time, and she's just kind of this uh, bubbly personality, and there's not a whole lot of depth there, but you still care for her. Because of the experiences that Peter's going through, right? And it's more of an indirect caring of her, basically. You're not caring for her because she's such an amazing character. It's mainly because you, you care for her because of what Peter's going through. And you want him to be happy. You want him to succeed and, and to, you know, quote-unquote, get the girl at the end of the movie. Like a 90s action movie. But I think they do such a great job of making you care for all those characters. And the one thing that is my biggest complaint of Marvel in general, the the MCU, the villain. The villain is always always on the back burner. They just they never do a good job of making a good villain. You can count on one hand probably how many good villains they have in the MCU. I mean, you got Loki, you got Thanos, uh let's see, you got uh, Killmonger and even uh, Ironmonger in the uh, the original Iron Man movie. I, I really actually enjoyed him as a villain. Uh, I know a lot of people say he's not he wasn't that great, but I I really personally liked him in that movie. Uh, that's kind of it. I mean, 
it just it really depends on your preference but those are just the best those are those are legit like the only good villains in the MCU Thanos and Loki might actually be the best but they do such a great job in this movie of of humanizing the vulture and making him relatable I mean they give him such good that that's the thing about making a good villain you got to give him a good you got to make him relatable you got to give him a good reason to actually uh quote unquote be the villain right nobody likes a villain that just wants to destroy the world uh Thanos is kind of different because they actually gave him some backstory they they gave him conviction and made him truly believe in what he was doing and they just did such a great job with that that made him uh that makes him a great villain this one, I mean, he's just he all he wants to do is provide for his family, and that's super relatable. And it's not like some caricature of of the comics or anything like that. I just think they do such a great job of of kind of putting him in this real world setting and making him like modernized and making him look cool. I mean, the costume looks dope. I mean, he doesn't look stupid or anything like that. So I, I think they just did such a great job of making the Vulture one of the best villains in the MCU. And speaking of the Vulture, let's talk about how amazing that car interrogation scene is. From the moment Peter arrives at their house and he opens the door and sees Adrian Toomes there and he realizes that he's the Vulture... It's like this added tension just starts. Like the tension just builds from there. Because Adrian Toomes knows nothing about Peter Parker at this time. But Peter knows him, right? And then we get in the car and he's you can kind of see how he's just slowly kind of putting all the pieces together that Peter Parker is actually Spider-Man and I think they do such an amazing job in that particular scene of of showcasing that. I mean, it's so easy to just say, "Oh, he 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 picked one thing out and oh, he knows all of a sudden." No, he was like they were actually having decent good flowing conversations in the car and it just slowly it's like a slow burn of a conversation that finally led to the realization that oh man this kid is actually spider-man and that just whole scene was just it was just acted so well and choreographed so well i think uh just an incredible scene it's one of the best scenes in the mcu uh it's one of the best scenes in superhero comic book movies whatever you want to call it not up to the level of the interrogation scene with the Joker and Batman in Dark Knight, that is the all-time best. It's not even it's not even close to that scene. But I would say top five, top ten best scenes in any uh, Marvel movie, definitely. Uh, just just that particular sequence, and it was it was just so good, so good. Now, one of the things I don't like about this movie. And I, I might be in the minority. I'm not 100% sure on this. I really dislike the characterization of MJ in in this trilogy. Uh, and when we get to, to Far From Home, it kind of worsens because it kind of changes that whole relationship between them two. And it's a completely different character, it feels like. But I, just, I really don't like how 
They, I just, I just don't like her personality. Like, it doesn't feel like MJ. And I, I understand, you know, they want to change things up. We've seen MJ in the original trilogy and, and whatnot. But I, I just think if you're going with such an iconic character like that, you don't change the character that much. Like, I understand, you know, we want to modernize it. We want to make our, uh, we want to make this MJ our own and, and whatnot and to kind of fit in our own little universe. I completely understand that. But to completely change the character is kind of where I have the issue with. It's just, she doesn't feel like MJ to me. Uh, and then to kind of just shoehorn in the, uh, people just call me MJ. But your name is not Mary Jane. It's it's Michelle. I mean, that's just it's just dumb. Why would you Why would you just change the name altogether and name her MJ that way? It's just I do not like that. It is my biggest pet peeve of the entire movie. Actually, uh, I I don't mind her as a character in the movie. I just don't want her as MJ. That's kind of my That's where I'm at right there. Uh, I don't mind her as a character. I just don't like her as MJ. I think they, I just think they kind of dropped the ball on that, and they kind of just shoehorned in that at the very end, just just for the sake of of appeasing the fans and whatnot. If, if they want to name her this 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 brand new character and name her Michelle and make her a love interest for Peter Parker, then by all means do that. That's fine. Just don't call her MJ. Like, what's the point? And then the last little thing that I do want to mention is. And that I really actually enjoyed with the movie. And I appreciate the fact that they did not put him in this movie uh, a lot. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, this is a Spider-Man movie. Okay? We don't need 30, 45 minutes. We don't need uh, scene after scene after scene with Iron Man. Iron Man is is probably my favorite. Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man is definitely probably my favorite MCU character. I mean, I just I love any and every movie that he's in. He's such an he did such an amazing job with Iron Man altogether. I mean, not my favorite uh, superhero. Uh, Spider Man is in top three, uh, bar none. But the the rendition of Iron Man of uh, Robert Downey Jr. I think was one of the perfect casting, and not just like superhero movies, but like in any movie like ever like it was just like a perfect casting Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man but I appreciate that he was not in this movie uh, a whole bunch because at the end of the day this is a Spider-Man movie I want to I want to watch Spider-Man I want to see him grow as a character in this movie and I, I paid tickets for a Spider-Man movie that's what I want and I got the perfect amount of Iron Man in there it was just enough to kind of push the character of Spider-Man forward and give him some more depth as as a character. I think it really did push the character of Spider-Man forward more so than if you didn't have Iron Man in there uh, whatsoever. I just I love that Spider-Man Iron Man relationship, and honestly, it kind of builds from from this movie up until uh, Endgame, and it was just like a perfect little cap. And then you got Far From Home where he deals with the, uh, no future spoilers, he deals with the the ramifications of Endgame. And it's just, it, it's a great little father-son type of, of a relationship that you don't really get in any of the other Spider-Man movies because they just don't have, that. he just doesn't have that male figure, that father figure uh, to look up to. So I, I really did enjoy that. It really helps break down that character of Spider-Man 
to the basics. And I love the line, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. I think that just that just sums up Spider-Man all in one sentence. And that whole little scene with him and uh, with Iron Man and Spider-Man talking on top of the little tower uh, after the the the, uh, the island ferry sequence, I think was such a great sequence, such a great scene. Excuse me, and it really just helped build the character of Spider-Man. I mean, basically they tear they kind of have Spider-Man on this this high pedestal at the very beginning of the movie he's got the brand new suit and they really just tear down the character of Spider-Man and Peter Parker to basically nothing uh, over the course of two hours and then they build him right back up and I think that's such a great great storytelling to to have it like that I mean normally when they do like origin stories or the or the first movie or whatever of a series uh, we're gonna get them at the the bottom rung, right? And then they're going to slowly climb up to being this huge hero. And they kind of do it in reverse in this movie, which I really appreciate. And also, while we're on the subject of things that I appreciate that are not in the movie, I'm perfectly okay with Uncle Ben not being in this movie. Do I want some form of storytelling involving uh, Uncle Ben? You know, what happened? Uh, you know, who is Uncle Ben? How does he affect the life of Peter Parker? Yes, I, I think they do miss that aspect of the character. Yes, we know what happens. We know how Peter Parker gets his powers. We know he gets bitten by a spider. Look, guys, this is Spider-Man. He's one of the most popular comic book characters of all time. We know how he gets his powers. But the issue that you're missing with Uncle Ben is with great power comes great responsibility. You're you're missing some key moments that make Spider-Man Spider-Man. And yes, they try to kind of they kind of build that with with Iron Man and that relationship and kind of try to put him in there as the Uncle Ben figure. And I, I get it. They they don't want to rehash the same stuff that's been told in two other three other uh, Spider-Man movies up to this point. But I do think at some point in this trilogy, I don't know if they're going to talk about it in No Way Home, but I do think they need to bring up the Uncle Ben situation and just see how that affects Peter. I mean, up to this point, it seems like he doesn't even really care at all that Uncle Ben died. I mean, that's just what we've gotten up to this point. So I think Uncle Ben is too much of an important figure in Peter Parker's life to just kind of completely ignore him like that. But... At the same time, I completely understand why they avoided him in this movie because we got him in the Amazing Spider-Man and then the original Spider-Man movie. We got that origin story, so we don't technically need the origin story in this, but I think over the course of a trilogy, we're definitely going to need that that extra depth to Peter Parker's character and see how that affects him uh, in his life. But ultimately, I give this movie four and a half stars. I I absolutely love this movie. I love that John Hughes aspect that they kind of uh, threw in there and made it more of a, of a high school movie. I I think that was kind of the one of the things that we've been missing with all the Spider-Man movies up to this point is they're making him older. Nah, dude, make him younger. Make him inexperienced. Make him uh make him like a failure. Make him trying to struggle as a teen, to struggle as a superhero. And all those things 
are pivotal to the character of Spider-Man. And I think they do such a great job, and I think they nailed the character of Spider-Man in this movie. Yeah, well, there's some things that they could have done better with, with the character, maybe added a little bit more of something, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a perfect movie by any means, but I think it's super enjoyable. I think it's entertaining. I think the characters are great. I think the writing is smart. Uh, I, I do think some of the action sequences are kind of lackluster in comparison to some of the other movies in the MCU and even just the Spider-Man series in general. But at the end of the day, I think it services the movie appropriately. And I don't think they have some big blockbuster set piece other than the Staten Island fairy scene. Uh, other than that, I don't think they really go out of their way to make some big old you know Avengers-type battle. Which is, again, something I appreciate because you kind of try to bring him down to the street level. Make him that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man aspect. And uh, so it's kind of like a give and take with the action sequences. So completely understand that. But four and a half stars. If you have not seen Homecoming, highly, highly recommend you go watch it. And even buy it. Like, I think I bought it. Did I buy it twice? I'm not sure. I know I bought it when it came out the first day. I bought like a special edition pack of it. But yeah, I absolutely love this movie. It's worth the money. Uh, it's going to be an MCU movie, and it's, I mean, what that means is it's going to be at least 20 bucks for that movie. If you see it cheaper than that, then get the movie by all means. Uh, if I could get a Steelbook edition, that would be, that'd be fantastic if I could have a Steelbook edition of this movie. But I already have a special edition, so I guess it is what it is. But ultimately, four and a half stars. Love it. One of my favorite superhero movies of all time. One of my favorite movies of all time. I think I added this onto my list on Letterboxd, which you can follow me on that uh, that website, Primate X. And I think as of now, because I'm I'm ranking these as I as I watch all the movies that I watch, and I want to say I have it at number nine currently. I absolutely love love the Spider-Man movie, and again, I think it's one of the best, if not the best, Spider-Man movie uh, that's been made up to this point. Live action, definitely. Uh, but that's my review. You let me know what you think of Spider-Man. Uh, let me know if I got anything wrong with this. Uh, what's your favorite characterization of Spider-Man? What's your favorite version or whatever? Uh, let me know if you like the Tom Holland series. If you don't, uh, drop a comment on our Facebook or go to patreon.com slash two game and uh, send us some love there. Uh, but other than that, I will catch y'all next time on another episode.